Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Okay, what are you working on right now that's super exciting to you? Okay, well, right now I am working with women and doing vocal coaching to help women get more visible on social media. So, so many women have a hard time really going live and so many women are also interested in starting podcasting. And so they have been reaching out to me to help them take those steps and learn those skills to start getting more visible for themselves and for their brand. How did you get into that? What what happened? So my background is in speech language pathology. And so I'm a big lover of the voice and speech and how we all use our words. And I my background started with working with children, where I was actually doing speech therapy and helping children who had difficulty communicating and using their words. And over the years, that slowly morphed towards women because I started to see and hear from women. You know, you know, public speaking is what? The number one fear for a lot of people. And so I started to hear from women who would express to me that they had a really hard time using their voice. Or they would not take a job because it required too much speaking. And I just, you know, I sat back and I thought about it and I know where I was, right? I had my own experience with that combined with what I was hearing with other women. And I said, I have to do something about this and I have to help women be able to find their voice. Talk to me about your own experience with, we're going to put it in quotation marks, with that. <laughs> with that, yes. Right. Because, I mean, that's, that's how you, let's see, how do I put this? Those who have been there are in the best position to help those who are there. So what was your experience with that not wanting to take a position because it required too much talking or whatever the case was? Well, I, I've definitely been there, Bridget. And so how do, how do I begin my story is more the question. But, you know, I always say you're called to do the work you're meant to do. And so I really think I've been called to do this work because of my own experience. And I always say I had my first act, my first act college experience. I was in college for the first two years. Everything was going smooth. And then it got to my second year of college and I came across some financial difficulties and I couldn't pay for college. What happened though, was that I found myself really stuck and not being able to use my voice to ask for help and come across the resources that I could need or use to help me finishing out school. And so I lived with that shame. And what I did is I was attending classes but not getting credit for my classes for the last two years. And so I realized that I literally was stuck in my voice and stuck in myself and did not know and allowed fear right? Which is what so many people have when it comes to public speaking. I completely allowed fear to overtake me rather than push through the fear or rather than be able to use my voice to ask for the help that I needed. Do you see 
I'm still stuck on you were attending classes, but you weren't getting credit. I, that just kind of <laughs> kind of froze me in my tracks. Do you see this fear happening with women more than men? Talk to me about that. Yes or no? I think the fear of public speaking definitely happens to both men and women, but there is a particularly kind of fear that really grapples women, where women just come, have an added element where I think they not only have the fear, but then they have these voice stories that they heard throughout their childhood or throughout their lives or in families or the societal messages that they get about how they should use their voice that I think paralyzes them even more than it does to men. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> How do you, let's say, you know, we're just talking to, you know, the average person. What, what is something that the average person could do right now to get past this fear of public speaking or just speaking up for him or herself? Well, I think the first thing to remember, embrace the fear. Rather than Mm. running from the fear, embrace it, recognize it, sit in it, and think and realize that when your body is having that physiological reaction, you know, your heart starts to pump, your hands are shaking, you start to get all sweaty, your voice starts to shake, that I say, look at that as your superpowers. It's your body telling you you're getting ready to speak. I am here for you, but I can support you and I can help you through this. And I think rather than trying to run from the fear that, you know, running from the fear doesn't allow us to actually work through the fear because the fear is going to be there and it's going to show up. So the key thing is let's embrace that fear. And I say to my clients that I work with, start thinking about the fear as your superpowers and throw on your cape. And when you throw on that cape over your shoulders and your back, it's almost like you instantly start to think, oh my goodness, I can do this. I've got my cape. I've got my superpowers. Let me start by breathing because we all know breathing helps relax those speaking muscles that we use. And you start breathing and you relax and all of a sudden you're standing taller. You're starting to feel a little bit more confident and it's like, okay, I can start to do this. So embrace your fear and throw on your superpower cape and get ready for your superpowers to launch. I like that cape. I have a presentation. I have a couple of different ones that kind of take on a, a different approach depending on the audience. I have one called Teach Like a Superhero, No Cape Required. And then another one called Present Like a Superhero, No Cape Required or Present Like a Rock Star, No Guitar Required. But I love that cape. It's just something about donning that cape. I'll tell you one of my little secrets when it comes to presenting. I believe in the breathing. You're spot on with that. But one thing that I believe in doing is making sure I I look my best so I feel my best or at least I think I look my best I tend to wear a lot of black right I think I think I'm looking good Mo I think you're looking pretty good today Bridget (laughs) awesome I'll take it but that's one of my little secrets it has absolutely nothing to do with the vocal cords it has nothing to do with breathing it has everything to do with just how I feel when I walk up to that microphone and it's it's just so important for me that I, I just 
feel right in the clothes that I am in. What is a secret that you have before you get on the microphone, uh, aside from the breathing, but is there some little something that you do or that you tell yourself that uh, that you're going to share with the audience? I do. I do. I, I definitely do the breathing, like you mentioned. And then the other thing is I really start to tell myself some positive voice affirmations along with some vocal exercises. So the first thing I will do is my breathing. And then I tell myself, I have a voice. I am ready to share my voice. And I have something to share that the audience can use and benefit from. Right? So I say that to myself. And then I do some exercises to get my lips and my tongue and my mouth ready to move and to flow. Because when you have, and I drink some water too, I take that sip of water because when, if your mouth is really dry, it makes it harder to get the words out with flow and ease. But if you practice, you take that sip of water and then I'll just do some vocal exercises where I'm just going, O-E-O-E. You're playing around with your mouth and your lips in what we call a nonsense way because it's not a typical way of speaking, but you're doing that. And it's like uh, warm-ups, the same way you warm up before you get ready to exercise and work out, the same thing you can do when you're getting ready to speak. You warm up your lips, your tongue, your mouth, and your voice. O-E, get those vocal exercises going. And then all of a sudden, okay, I say I'm ready. And then I'm ready to hit, whether it's walk onto that stage or hit that record button or go into that meeting or give that presentation, and I am ready to go. Mm. And I know everybody, it it sounds silly or you feel like you'll feel foolish doing those lip exercises. But if you're the type person where it just feels like your mouth is tight, the words won't come out, you're tongue tied, doing those exercises are key. I mean, do, do, do you think I look sexy doing a sit up? But you best believe I need to. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right? So, you make... <laughs> when you're preparing, you... it's not about looking or sounding sexy. It's about putting yourself in a position so when you're on the stage and it matters, you're looking and sounding sexy in the right way. <laughs> Absolutely. You hit it on the nose. Absolutely. You know, you don't always look good doing that sit up, but... You do it, right? Because it's going to help you get to where you need to. Same thing with those vocal exercises. You get it and you can even get in the mirror because the mirror is great visual feedback for you and just warm it up and do those exercises in the mirror and the mirror will help you as well. And the more I do them, the more ready I feel. And so it's a great tool and a great strategy that I use with my clients when they are working with me. And um, many of them have found it useful. And I find it's a great way for you to get your, yourself out there and get to speaking. Now, let's say you put all of this into practice. You do the exercises backstage. You put on the power outfit that Bridget recommends. You drink the water uh, to make sure that you are hydrating yourself. You do everything, all the breathing, but then you get on stage and all of the strategies are gone. All of the tips, all of the work, all of a sudden you are just, I don't know, maybe it's frozen. What do you do then, Mo? Oh, well, this is when you take that moment to center yourself. You 
take your moment, have your, having your notes helping you stay focused and you take that moment and you can even sit, tell your audience, this is where you can bring in your audience and say, oh, we all, and throw in a little joke to connect with your audience. Oh, we all know how public speaking can be for all of us. Use that moment to bring your audience in and say, you're, you know, letting them know that you're getting yourself together and you're preparing for, um, for that talk and to connect with them. And so it helps them feel at ease and then it helps you feel at ease as well. And so I really think throwing in a little joke to let you the audience know that you're preparing and you're getting yourself together is a great way to start. Another thing that you can do is use your, if you have your notes, Use your notes as a guide and as placement. Use your notes as a way to guide you to where you want to be. And then another thing you can also do is when you're introducing yourself, find a way, use a very connective way to introduce yourself. You don't always have to sound so formal and you can use that opportunity to be, to introduce yourself and say, Hey, I had a hard time with public speaking too. And I know exactly what that's like for you. Or, you know, I'm, I'm still working on that public speaking. And here I was, I worked all night, studied for my note cards. And of course, what happens? Here I am, I'm feeling a little frozen. All right, I could really use a little support from my audience right now. So when you're showing you're vulnerable to the audience, the audience receives that so much more. And what I always tell my clients, it's not about having the perfect speech because there is no perfect speech. It's about being yourself, mm. no matter how, what kind of self that is. And if you can trust in yourself and trust to be yourself, excuse me, and trust to be yourself, your audience will tune into you and connect with you in the most unbelievable way. Every single time, every single time. So, you know, we've been talking to Mo Jones here today, and uh, Mo is a vocal coach. She empowers women to own the power of their voices in life and in work, and she's a speech and language pathologist by trade. She uses effective and proven strategies and techniques to journey women from fear to brave in building confident speaking skills. Now, she uh, has a passion with helping women to use their voices to master the art of going live on social media and podcasting. And this led her to establish her coaching business, Mo Life Speaks, where women learn to own the power of their story and own their voice. Mo, is there a story that you have of your own that pushed you into owning your power and owning the microphone? Well, like I said earlier, the, my college experience definitely was a pivotal moment for me. And that really led me to wanting to find my own voice. But even after that, I realized as I was at work and either finding myself holding that back, not jumping into conversations and meetings, not volunteering to do presentations. And I found myself saying, hmm, there's so much more to this than holding back and that I have a voice that I can use as well and that I have so much that I can share with my voice. And so I started to do presentations and I started doing presentations for parents. I started doing presentations for colleagues. I started doing presentations for other professionals. And I realized one, 
I love doing it. <laughs> right. And so I, and I realized here I was holding myself back from something I love to do and having a voice where I had something to share with others. And if I kept holding my voice back and not using my voice, I would be missing out on a lot that I could offer and grow from. But not only that, think about my audience and the people who have something that they want to hear from me, who want to hear what I have to say, or who I can help learn and motivate or aspire or teach them something. I was missing, I was having them miss out on that as well. And so, you know, when we're called for our purpose and we're called to share information, it's really important to answer that call because it not only benefits you, but it benefits your audience and the people who are wanting to hear from you. When I used to do a lot of professional speaking, especially when I did it for an ed tech company, an educational technology company, we would always provide the audience members with feedback cards. And I never looked at that feedback until a day, two, three, maybe a week or two later. I just did it because I would leave my presentations on this high. I mean, yes, I killed it. And flipping through those feedback cards and maybe there's a hundred of them there might be one in there where there's this one little comment that just crushes me I'll forget about all of the other great feedback and I will just take to heart that one little sentence from that one somebody who was not happy and I know you know we all know you cannot make everybody happy all of the time every time it's just not right? But it, it, I'm feeling so euphoric (laughs) after one of those presentations. And so I, and I'm very disciplined in that regard where I can just hold off on looking at those eval cards for days, even weeks later. I really can. I don't have to look and see what people have to say about my performance, because if I look at it right then and there, it's just going to crush me. So tell me this, uh, what is your what is your recommendation for dealing with that one out of 100 per that one person who thought your presentation was like, nah, I've seen better or (laughs) could have done that myself or what I mean, because you're going to have one. We all do. How do you deal with that from deflating you? (laughs) That that's a really good question. And I always say feedback is always great information because it does help you know, help you learn where you can do better or what you can do differently. But that one negative feedback, right? It's so easy to focus on it and you could feel crushed by it. And you're like, oh, what could I have done? But what I get it, I've learned, this has been a process because in the beginning I'd be like, well, why didn't they like it? What? It's just one person. It's just one person. I mean, everybody else liked it, you know, but I I have learned and I have grown to accept that feedback as a way that I can either try something different or I can look at it and I can say, well, the most of the people liked it. What is this person telling me that I can do differently? Maybe can I try it and see what, if it works the next time? I, I can be open to what this person has to say, but it also doesn't have to crush who I am as a speaker and know that I still have some really good skills, but I can still grow and tweak certain areas if 
there's a need for it and if it will work when I try it in the next speak speaking um, engagement that I do. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what I think about that one person. We'll move on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen feedback where someone will get stuck on one little phrase that I said and, and it becomes part of the feedback. And my concern in those instances is out of the, I don't know how many hundreds of words, thousands of words I just gave you over the last hour. Is that all you got? I hope you did not miss the bigger picture and the bigger message because you were so fixated on that one comment or that one phrase. It, it, I, I, feedback is always very interesting to me. I remember somebody wrote on one of my feedback cards something about, you know, you shouldn't use y'all. It's not cute. Or, you, you know, you need to reduce how often you say it or something like that. Like they thought I was purposely injecting it into my speech because I thought it was cute or something. No, I'm from Texas. <laughs> exactly. We say, <laughs> this is who I am. It's it's subconscious. So I, I don't know. At any rate. And, and that's the thing, Bridget, right? You can't please everybody, right? <laughs> if, if, you, if you're, you know, focusing and centering your speech on pleasing everybody, you'll never have your most natural speaking engagement. So you there know, you, if you take it with a grain of salt and you remember who you are and the speaking that you're doing there you and are. the people there you're serving. There, there you have it. There you have it. I mean, just remember the higher purpose. Remember what it's what you're there to do. And my attitude is always you are there to set the audience on fire. Now, I like that, by the way. I love yes. that. Set the audience on fire. Yes, I, I, I say this all of the time. If your goal was not to come in there and strike a match and light these people up and get them motivated, get them going, have them inspired, have them ready to get out there in the world and do something different. If that's not your goal, stay in bed. Don't even get up. Don't even leave the house. Don't even bother. (laughs) Send in somebody else. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I agree. People showed up to come see you. So you have got to put everything in there to motivate them and inspire them the whole way through. I'm with you on that. There you have it. There you have it. Now, every speaker, if he or she is honest, even the best ones will have some sort of a slip up, whether it is they mispronounce something, whether they just bungle their words, maybe they use far too many filler words than they intended, whatever. How do you recover from that? How do you make sure a slip up, a misstep doesn't completely paralyze you and gets you completely off your game. What do you do? What do you recommend? Uh, well, that's a really good one too. I, it's, I, it's all about regrouping, refocusing yourself because you're going to have sometimes a slip up here or two. You know, we're, you know, as human beings, that's going to happen to us. So I always take it as a point and say, okay, what did I do differently that might've caused this slip up? What was it the environment that I was in? Was it the audience? Was I not prepared enough? Did I feel that I had to, you know, meet the audience for more rather than coming off and being me more of myself? So I take that when I've had that kind of talk or that kind of delivery, I take a step back and I think about 
what, what could I do about my delivery? So first I regroup, I regroup and I cannot beat myself down. I really, I have learned not to beat myself down. I regroup and I say, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this slip up? And what can I do better next time? Because it's so easy to just beat yourself down and be like, oh my God, I could have done better. Or I realized maybe I spoke a little too quickly there. You know, the audience, I was really trying to connect with them and it wasn't happening. So you, you, you find yourself saying, first of all, have gratitude for the opportunity, gratitude for the experience that you've had. And then you step back and you regroup and you say, what could I do better next time? How can I work on this? Oh, maybe I need to do some exercises. Maybe I need to talk to another speaker friend that I know and let them know what happened and get some feedback from them because your speaker friends and colleagues are always there to support you and help you out because they know what you're going through. And so use that as an opportunity to connect, have gratitude, and then figure out how can you use this to do something different or better the next time around. Mo, I'm going to put a real challenge in front of you right now. I want you to think back to the very first presentation you made or one of the first ones you made. And it's okay if it was paid, not paid, if it was, uh, it doesn't matter. Just Mm. one of your first speaking engagements. You got it in your head? I do. Okay. I want you to think about that presentation versus what you know now, what would you tell yourself then that you know now? Oh, Bridget, that's a great question. (laughs) What would I tell myself? First of all, I would tell myself, trust yourself and trust that you know more than those doctors sitting in front of you. Oh my goodness. Yes. And I would also tell myself that it will all be okay. And that this is a learning process and you're going to get damn good at this. The more you do it. Hmm. I want the listeners to hear that one. The more you do it, you are going to be fantastic at it. Let me tell you, I remember I, I, I learned to drive at the age of 12, okay? At the age what? 12. Yes, I'm from a small town, population 5,019. I'm sitting at the red light, okay? Barely see my head over the steering wheel <laughs> next to the sheriff, okay? And nobody says anything. I mean, that's just what you did in that town. But at the age of 12, I mean, the hands are 10 and 2. The eyes are looking straight ahead. I'm checking my mirrors and everything. Now, many years later, we won't say how many child I'm driving eating looking probably shouldn't be texting I hope nobody is listening to this podcast but the more you do it the more skilled you become at it the easier it becomes to get up there and perform trust us on this one do not shy away from it and a speaking engagement doesn't have to be on some stage at this huge convention center at some capital beach or something no a speaking engagement can be like seriously 
going to your kid's elementary school for career day, okay? It's just about getting in front of someone and endeavoring to teach them something and make them better than they were before they got in your midst. That's what it's about. And using your words to do that, using your words to make people say, mm, that was time well spent. Mm, I am so glad I had that opportunity to hear what he had to say, what she had to say. Mo, if you had one last very important message to tell someone who is on the fence, who just isn't sure if they can do this thing called own the microphone, what would it be? Trust yourself and trust your voice. Step out of your comfort zone every single time and trust yourself because there is no growth in being comfortable. The growth happens in the discomfort. And the more you get comfortable with being uncomfortable, the more opportunities come your way and the more expansive and the more growth you will have into your full purpose. Mo, I know I made it seem like we were wrapping up, but answer me this one. Can you give us an example, either from you personally or from a client without divulging that who that client is, where you've seen growth from not being comfortable, where you've seen opportunities come from someone saying, I'm not going to stay in my comfort zone. I have, I have. I'm going to give an example of a client who I recently actually worked with who had grown up very quiet, very sheltered in a sense, and didn't really grow up in an environment where she was supported to use her voice at home. It was very much, you can be seen, but not heard. And so she often carried that throughout her life and her career. And when she came to me and started working with me, she was just frozen and paralyzed with using her voice. And she was starting a business And she wanted to be able to start getting visible on social media, on doing videos for clients. And um, it was a, a crafting business that she was working on. And she just was petrified to speak to people and get in front of, or even just hit record. And so we did a lot of exercises about tips and strategies to use when you are speaking in a public setting, and as well as when you're going on social media. But I think the most powerful work that I saw from her was also the mindset work. The mindset work to combine it with the strategies was really powerful for her. And she started to believe and trust that she had a voice that she could actually use. And so when we paired that, the different strategies, the uh, guidelines that we would use, the different exercises that we would use, the different homework assignments that I would give her, it was almost like you could slowly see each week the transformation starting to happen and the confidence started to grow. And the more she did it, like we were talking about earlier, the more practice, the more she did it the more confident she became. And then now she's getting visible on social media and talking about her business and meeting with clients in such a way she had never done before. So it's really 
it's really rewarding and affirming to see your client go through that process and really watch them grow into the, into the, the confident voice that they have always been able to use, right? To have. It's just that so many times, particularly women, we don't think we have it in us, but the voice is there, but it's giving the confidence and trusting the voice to help completely bring it out and be able to use your voice in the most powerful way. What do you think it is? And forgive me if it feels like I've asked you this, so I don't know why I'm asking you this again. What is it with women where oftentimes we feel like our voice is not powerful and what's going on with us? Well, I really, I, I always say, I really think women, we tend to carry a voice story. We have voice stories that we carry with us. I think, and those voice stories line up with a lot of the limiting beliefs. I think particularly for women, we either get some kind of message either from home, culturally, socially, the media of how women should be using their voice and how they should be speaking. And as a result of that, we tend to carry that with us. And if we have heard growing up, you should be seen and not heard we internalize that and we carry that with us and we carry that with us throughout different chapters and facets of our lives. And as a result of that, it's so easy to be shut down, to not show up for yourself, not use your voice in different situations and just think that this is okay. I don't really need to use my voice until you really women start really realizing how it's impacting them and they're ready to do that work of digging, digging through all of that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you did talk about that earlier. I I guess I needed to hear it again to make sure it sank in. So, I mean, um, we, we have to get past those limiting beliefs. We have to get past those limiting scripts that were put in our lives, whether it was by teachers or by parents or by peers or siblings, you are, far bigger, far more amazing than you probably give yourself credit for which you give yourself credit. And uh, speaking up and being seen and being heard is one of the tools to use to get past those limiting, limiting beliefs. Okay, Mo Jones, you're a rock star. I thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Bridget. This was so great. Good deal. Good stuff. Listen, everybody, I appreciate you for tuning into this episode. Make sure until the next time you always own the microphone. <laughs>